What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus came into Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block out. Riffs, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. I'm enjoying quarantine right now. How are you guys? <laughs> so you've had an eventful quarantine. Yeah, man. I may or may not have been COVID patient zero because in, in January, I, I was admitted to the hospital with what they thought was H1N1, but I, I didn't test positive for any sort of flu. So that kind of like looking back on it trips me up a bit. But uh, I had that going. And then we just had uh, these tornadoes in North Carolina. And it, like, didn't hit where I'm at, but what it did do is screw up the internet so badly that I haven't had it consistently for more than 45 minutes for, like, the past five days. <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun. Well, I am uh, I'm ecstatic to have you on here. Um, I'm ecstatic to We've have tried somebody... a few times. Man. We've tried a few times. <laughs> I'm excited to have weird, uh, like, the basketball internet's version of Brace Belden and the person who kind of sounds like Liz Franzak on the same podcast <laughs> at the same time. So hyped to do this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> before uh true hooping on it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect all right well for anybody any of the normies out there and by that i'm also including nicole can you kind of take us through a little bit how you became a celtics fan like you know sort of your background a little bit just kind of uh you know where did the where did the riffs man come from oh man that's a lot <laughs> it, it is a lot yeah <laughs> man uh Bob Marley would say I've been watching this Celtics since ever since, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> been watching since Pierce, you know, Pierce was a solo act essentially. Uh, until recently it was like a background thing that I always loved, but it was on in the background. I was like doing homework, doing this, doing that, whatever, probably around like, I, I had like these very elaborate back surgeries and, uh, I had that and it just became like, I, I couldn't do anything. I was stuck in bed. So it's like, what was I going to do? I love watching the Celtics. So it just became posting about that religiously and kind of developing like an esoteric brand off of that. That's my own thing. And like, for whatever reason, people just caught on to it. <laughs> I can't really explain how or why, like, 
I don't really think the algorithms were at play on my behalf on this one. <laughs> it was just my war of attrition posting about the Celtics and my own vision kind of of like, like we used to talk about basketball seriously and like more and more everybody talked about it seriously and in a very specific type of way, like data in analytic analysis. Like I love that stuff and I love learning about that stuff, but it wasn't me. Like mm. <laughs> I'm I'm on a different planet from like the Zach Lowe's. <laughs> so you're a Celtics fan, but your Twitter name is Lifelong Pelicans fan man. Sixty nine. So why gotta, like where did that go, Nicole? <laughs> where did that come from? Uh because like being a, a Celtics fan online is kind of like not I would say not always the coolest thing in the world <laughs> and it carries a lot of baggage with it so I, I just started ironically telling people I love the Pelicans and it just became a bit and people would get mad at me because like I refused to admit that I like the Celtics for years and years and years but then but then they get Zion Williamson so now it's just like prophetic in its own sense <laughs> Now it just looks like you're glomming on. Yeah, now, I'm, uh, now everybody thinks I'm a bandwagon. Dude, I was doing this joke for years before they were good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's like walk through some of the most popular Celtics nicknames on Weird Celtics Twitter, and you can share yeah. like, sort of the origin story and things like that. So first, we can start with Smarf. That seems to be the most popular behind Time Lord. Well, it's both complex and very stupid in its origin <laughs> like uh smarsh is this puppet on this uh this one-off <laughs> thing called too many cooks that was on cartoon network like randomly one night in the middle of the night for one time and in it it's like this uh it's like this meta surrealist kind of take on like sitcoms and in it they have like this psychedelic survivalist puppet who's named Smarf, and this puppet, like, in the course of Too Many Cooks, it's like every character gets uh, brutally murdered, except for Smarf, who's survivalist. <laughs> and, like, nothing can stop him. And, like, one, it came up because I was watching the show so many times, like, I was obsessed with it, and I, I posted something about Marcus Smart, and it auto-corrected to Marcus Smarf, so we just went with that. <laughs> But he really embodies that spirit where he's like the survivalist, psychedelic warlord chieftain of the team. Like, everybody has been traded. Smarf has never been traded. He will never be traded. He's just going to be there and he's going to keep getting loose balls despite his eyes falling out. So that's kind of him, but he's my favorite player on the team. And the way he plays is just like he embodies everything about what Weird Celtics Twitter is. And it's like, it's like about the small moments where just insane stuff happens and chaotic energy. And he really is that and he's like like my whole thing is like like i'm inspired by bill walton and bill walton always talks about how like basketball is like going to a grateful dead show and technically it's the same every night but something crazy might happen that only a few of us know about who are really really deep in it and so he's kind of like the embodiment of that and smart i think is probably the player that embraces weird celtics the most mm, yes yes as well like what has that been like Oh, it's beautiful. On my birthday, they dropped the Puma ad and it had literally like four deep cut jokes that I had always been doing online about him. <laughs> so that was like a real like realization of my uh, my works <laughs> being accomplished. <laughs> but he, he's, he's really the best. And I think he's just like a person with the biggest heart. And that's 
also kind of what we're about. We kind of have like, like with Weird Celtics Twitter, we kind of have like some political causes too, uh, centered around like humane outcomes for people, for normal and working people. And I just think he like embodies all of that stuff, just like the heart and the soul and the, the every man kind of vibe about him. So having him embrace us is just like the most wonderful thing. We would be negligent in our duty if we did not ask you about the Time Lord nickname. Can you uh, take us through what happened with that? Okay, so I have a specific brand of basketball players. And like my thing is I love role players who are explosive and can pass the ball. A year and a half before the draft, he just started sending me Robert Williams tape because everything he does, like be it good or bad, is the most explosive thing you've ever seen in your life. So he started sending it and I was just like, yeah, Danny's going to draft this guy. And I just said it like once a week for like a year and a half. And then I, like every, every draft night, I try to post my will into being and that I just say, Danny's going to draft this guy. Danny's going to draft this guy. And this is the first time it actually happened. So I was joking about it being a prophecy because everything I, everything we did, we just like take to the extreme and be really stupid about it and boneheaded. So it's like, yeah, I prophesied this a year and a half ago. But then everybody got mad at Robert within a day, which made me love him even more. Like everybody was mad at him because he <laughs> because he forgot to get up for the phone call and then he missed the practice, which was just incredible. Like that is my sense of humor entirely. So every person online who would get mad at him and at him, I would get in their mentions and be like, no, actually he was time traveling and I have proof <laughs> because I, I drafted him a year and a half ago. So we started doing that and, and Brian started calling him time Lord. And I liked that a lot because like, I'm into, I'm really into like Funkadelic. I don't know if you listen to Funkadelic, which is like futurist funk. And uh, I just thought like, the whole thing we have is like psychedelic art and the Celtics and music and stuff like that. And so it's like, what if we turned him into an actual like funk superhero? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went with that and it's just kind of like, like people just really took it and then it like got to the team and that kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> and like Danny was openly feuding with the nickname, but Scal and Gorman sided with me, which is like an ultimate win because I love Scal and Gorman so much. So it was like, <laughs> I, finally, I finally beat Danny at something. <laughs> and the cool thing about it too is like seeing people who have run with it and like made art off of it. Seeing people take off and run with it in different directions has been like my joy with it. Because, like, that was just what I wanted to do with it was, like, kind of thought, like, not to be, like, too sentimental about this, but to see, like, to foster a little bit of creativity with it and to see people take it in directions I couldn't have personally with their own talents. It's just awesome. The one other nickname we wanted to ask you about, because this is one that's, like, relatively recently, was uh, Brad Wanamaker being the plumber. I think in the town the town I grew up in in New Hampshire, there was like a Wanamaker's plumbing and heating. So it just kind of came to me like that. But he runs, he runs upright like a person who has been on their knees all day fixing pipes. It's true. Which is, but he does the dirty work and he comes in and he's very workmanlike and does all the small things. And actually like the beginning of the year, he was such a valuable, like, like they weren't winning games unless he came in and hit those threes and just plays like timely savvy basketball. I, I was also doing it last year because I 
no disrespect to him, but sometimes I thought Terry didn't know how to run the offense very well. And I thought Brad just came in and just like, he didn't dribble. He just moved the ball or passed it <laughs> and shot it. So it's like, oh, he unclogs the toilet a little bit. <laughs> and, and people went with it and did all sorts of crazy stuff about it. And he, he gets in people's mentions, too. <laughs> yeah, he does. He definitely name searches. Which is, which is hilarious, too. Some of his responses are just incredible. And to anybody out there who's, like, not familiar with us, we're, like, deeply poisoned by being online 24-7. So this is, like, this is the real deep stuff of Celtics Twitter. Just, just like taking it back a little bit further, like when did Weird Celtics Twitter take off? Sean Hyken, who's my friend, he's like he's kind of like the uh, the David Bowie to my Iggy Pop. He was just always <laughs> fascinated with how I posted and like my take on things. One day he was like, "I'm gonna write about you guys because like he thought like what me and Sam Sheehan were doing was like really interesting and different." compared to like what everybody else was doing which is like trade machine stuff or this or that or whatever and arguing about how like uh, overrated historically people are from different areas and stuff like that. <laughs> we were just like in this totally insane other world and so he he wanted to write about us and just kind of like the idea of like nba counterculture and so that's kind of where it took off and people started following us more and more and now occasionally the Celtics main account uh, gets mad at me <laughs> for different reasons. So what, it's a uh, lot of fun. I mean, what interactions have you had interactions with them? Like, I mean, beyond just like, you know, Twitter interactions and what have the Twitter inter interactions looked like? Uh, I've had them with the main account and like Eileen who runs social media there and stuff like that. And Marcus has tweeted back and forth with me and stuff right. like that and grant too and uh it's just it's kind of like an ideal existence for me <laughs> <laughs> it's just like through attrition of posting about them every day i've become a, a, a very tiny part of their universe which is like really kind of surreal but also like heartwarming because like i i think like the fan interaction is like a huge part of what i love about the nba so that's cool like you were kind of saying before, there seems to be two facets of Weird Celtics Twitter, like the basketball, but then also the political views and things mm -hmm. like that. Why do you yeah. think there's such a crossover there? The political aspect of it is funny because like in some subtle way, I wanted to kind of like clean up the culture of online as it like pertains to like Celtics fandom and stuff like that, because there was a lot of like toxicity and negativity and things that are like, in my opinion, very inhumane towards like players and just people in general and so like i'm obviously like an outspoken person of the left so uh it was just natural for me to to post about stuff like that and as i had a platform i just wanted to get people health care so i just started like mixing all that stuff together and uh it just it just worked out naturally like that and more and more we've built like an online community of people and friends and stuff who like meet around all sorts of different towns and stuff like weird Celtics Twitter meets in like Charlotte or people get together in Boston for games or Atlanta for games stuff like that and it, it became like a unifying thing for people who like the Celtics but also wanted to like see positive changes in the world in terms of humane policy for just like everyday people and that's something I'm kind of I wouldn't say like proud about, but it's cool to see that people like also grasped onto that element of it as well. 
like online is terrible. It rots our brains. And it's like, we shouldn't be uh, exposing ourselves to this much news on a daily basis and this much content and this much happenings because it does literally wear on you. But the good side of it is you meet these people with these hyper specific interests that you like, maybe you had a friend who liked funk music or maybe you had a friend who liked psychedelic art and surrealist art. And maybe you had a friend who liked the Celtics or maybe you had a friend who liked politics, but you never had all these things come together. And then you found out all these people like the same stuff. So that's just totally yeah. insane. And it, it, it just like fosters really cool friendships in that way. So it's like for all the bad that we get in having to see our like president tweet about how he's going to keep drinking that garbage Coca-Cola, <laughs> even though they're mad at him. <laughs> For all that bad and seeing all the terrible stuff on a daily basis, we do get that good element out of it. So I think that's cool. So I was going to ask you about that. Do you feel like it's more a product of a bunch of like-minded people? Or do you think it's sort of a product of like people hearing a message about, you know, humane policies and sort of buying into that, if that question makes sense? I think both. I think think if you're as online as I am, like you're going to (laughs) be – kind of like leaning that way in the first place or like if you're in that into basketball it seems like basketball of all the major sports has like the more progressive of like the massive Mm -hmm. fans which isn't to say everybody but at least online it seems like people are that which is heartening to see like people approach like uh, race issues and class issues in a way that I think is like heartfelt and like serious morally I, I think it's just a mix of both really So similar to the nicknames, what are some of the recurring bits that you think if you were supposed to do like a dummies guide for Weird Celtics Twitter, what would you include in that? Oh, man. Everybody gets mad about it now, but I had so much fun with Kyrie because he's (laughs) like, he was just like on a different planet, man. And like, I was like, he was, he was meant for me. We had this one bit called the Mind Sherpa where I was cosmically connected to him and giving him advice about like just cool things to do and say, kind of like when he said a certain thing to the fans in Philadelphia (laughs) during his first (laughs) road game. So we just do bits about like the different insane things he would say, like before and after games and just like really take them to extreme places he was the most interesting person I've ever followed <laughs> in <laughs> professional sports. Just a totally different character. So we, we had a lot of Kyrie bits. Um, it's hard to say because so many different people have, have added so much to the pot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, like, I know the stuff that I do like with, with Marcus and stuff like that about him being a warlord <laughs> 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 and him being a survivalist and him being like a revolutionary general of consciousness. And, <laughs> and, uh, but all sorts of people have all sorts of different things. Like my friend Richie does this thing that was actually messing with people for a long while, where it was a picture of like the starting five from last year, the ill-fated picture of Hayward, Kyrie, Brown, Tatum, and Al. And he was taking it and every time he would make Tatum just a little bit bigger. (laughs) And it was just like totally tripping people out and making them like really mad about it. And he refused (laughs) to acknowledge it. So that was a good running bit for a while. Um, is he's only 19 weird Celtics Twitter? No, that's NBA. I'd say that's like that's NBA, NBA fans okay. in general. Like they just took it to, it is kind of funny because like every second they talk about Tatum, it would be about just like how mature he was for a young age. So they just, everybody else kind of took that and ran with it. 
Vinny's Sex Pants is definitely a oh. uh, weird Celtics. If anybody knows about Vincent Poirier, he's taken that and ran with it. He's our guy who's with us now. He's very <laughs> down with the cause. And hilarious. He's one of the funniest people, just period. If you've seen his post that he does about Cantor, they're hilarious. <laughs> oh, Cantor's jeans? Oh, jeans, yeah. Genus, Cantor. Those <laughs> jeans were so atrocious. And I, I say this with great love and affection to Enos. They were so bad that they were brilliant. It was just one of those outfits, like, and that that's part of it too, is like we take those small things that like the daily ins and outs of like NBA games, like the tunnel fits and stuff like that, that kind of thing. You took that and we just find like the strangest things, like Ennis's boot cuts were the worst pants I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like like he paid somebody to pick out those pants for him. And I need to meet that person and just like ask them how they got the gig. <laughs> Gordon's video games and like Robin's oh, yeah. presence. Oh yeah, Gordon and Robin is our definite thing. They have such a particular relationship that's just like I, I can't put it into words, but it's so funny. Like yeah. the two of them are just so funny. And we used to watch his Twitch streams, right? If they listen to this podcast, don't get mad at me. It just was so funny. And she came on it and she got really mad at him because he had like gone over his allotted gamer time. <laughs> 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 and she she called his friends losers on the Twitch stream, <laughs> which was just like the greatest like encapsulation of like their ins and outs. They're just, <laughs> just so funny to me. So so we do all the different like jokes about how he <laughs> plays better on the road because he's allowed to video game for eight hours into the <laughs> night. <laughs> And stuff like that, and people have just taken it in such funny directions. I I would feel bad. I would feel cut like of all the people. Like if he found out about my bits, I would feel kind of bad about it because like they're not mean spirited, but they're just like they're such. He's so funny in like ways he doesn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like he's such a lovable dork. It's all in good spirit though, and, and in good fun. I feel like that's kind of the general weird Celtics Twitter vibe is like mm -hmm. like yeah like you're you know you, you might be making fun of guys a little bit but it's all very good spirited it's all like we love this dude type stuff yeah i suffer from what i call heinzen syndrome which is that every single player that comes into the Celtics, be they, they drafted or signed i believe that they're gonna win like mvp so like <laughs> there's like no greater lover of the characters and the people on the team like everything we do is like just from a fun perspective it's not like to bring anybody down so <laughs> but definitely Hayward is the one who gets like the most I wouldn't say mean but they're just, <laughs> they're just kind of like he's so awkward so much of the time and it's just so funny that he's that into video games like he he has everything in the world but nothing makes him happier than playing League of Legends at like <laughs> 10 p.m. after the wife and daughters have gone to sleep <laughs> What is it, uh, I mean, obviously, like, you know, the, the Celtics have, have tweeted at you. What was it like watching Smart on the jump talking about weird Celtics Twitter? He had one, he was watching him and just, like, glowing about it. And it was, like, old-school Soviet-style propaganda about him as the fearless leader. <laughs> and it was just, it just made me so happy, like, that he got it. And he was, like, totally, I don't know, he just, he just embraces everything about, like, people who embrace him. So that was the coolest part of it. And, like, a huge testament to him as a person, too, because, like, some people might see that kind of stuff and be like, these people are insane and they need to be institutionalized. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's real cool about it. And that was great. 
it's not like a mainstream thing. Like this is just a very small niche thing. I have like no delusions of grandeur about what we do or who we are, but it is funny to see it's like in small ways infect like the general NBA commentary and media coverage. So it's like a small victory of ours. They say like Time Lord on the broadcast all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the first time Ein Eagle did it, I lost my mind. <laughs> I just like run around my room. <laughs> <laughs> It was fantastic. But now Gorman does it. Scal does it. I've heard Iant and Eagle do it. It hasn't made its way. He has to get like, he has to get like a bigger role for it to make its yeah. way to the Mike Breen's of the world. <laughs> but we're getting there, baby. It's soon. Soon enough. You, you've mentioned several times that you are uh, like entirely too online, like myself oh, yeah. and Nicole. Just uh, what's your favorite tweet of all time? Ah, uh, man. There's so many, uh, probably something by Ice-T. His, <laughs> he had one recently <laughs> where he was like, if somebody owes you money, put a mask on and go to their house. They're there. Go armed. <laughs> it's just, it just like the perfect tweet. <laughs> there's, there's so many good ones. I mean, Drill is like the – Drill has influenced all of us so immeasurably. Mm-hmm especially like people who do like surrealist posts and people who do absurdist posts, like he is like a genius beyond words. So everything we do is like an homage to him as well. Right. Because we all, we all know who the legends are on the, <laughs> on the website. It's its own, like not to be too high minded about it, but it is like really intelligent and serious writers doing great comedy work on there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool like that. Definitely. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break um, to hear from Bet Online, and we'll be back in one second. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to blackjack and poker, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live, daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your welcome bonus. Bet online, your new online wagering solution. I guess what was just kind of just to kind of start things off, what was your favorite part about this season? What was what was the most fun to watch? Oh, man, the, the Tatum emergence in the – after he got named an all-star, you could see such a notable change in his, like, tempo playing basketball, his, like, his demeanor. He knew he was the baddest, and he was coming after heads. Like, he literally just embarrassed Kawhi for an entire fourth quarter and several overtimes. Like, like let's, be re- let's be real. Kawhi does that to LeBron sometimes, and this dude just did it to Kawhi. So I think Tatum's emergence is, like, the genuine two-way superstar was the best part but i'd also say like watching the team's offense become more functional because of jalen and jason's improvements also marcus's and tice's but i think like the the beautiful thing was seeing kemba come in and be such a utilitarian point guard if you're being objective Kyrie is probably a better individual talent but the way kemba like stop and pops from threes and manipulates quick screens and has those quick hitters, but is also like he knows Jalen and Jason's spots really fast. I think seeing that like come to fruition and see them become like the first real functional Stevens offense 
since Isaiah was like the cool part of the season while being able to, I think, step up defensively in a lot of ways, because I think Tatum took such a huge leap on the defensive end of the court and they have so many good defensive players. Like they maintain that identity while adding a functional and like pretty potent offense that can like go with the heavy hitters. I thought it was fascinating to watch Kemba be a perfect, you know, conduit for the offense because mm-hmm. you would you would have thought that Kemba would have come in and then they would have tried to turn him into IT, but they didn't try to do that. They no. you know, and it still worked within Steven's system, uh, but it was just like a different it was a different look. Like it wasn't just Kemba running off every you know dribble handoff and trying to get to the rim. It was it really was like a lot more reliant on the star wings, which I, I thought was pretty mm. fascinating to watch. Yeah, in Kemba he embraced what Brad's vision of the team was in such a beautiful way. Like he, like a lot of, a lot of people like hear, uh, shoot 10 threes a night and like pick your spots and be the guy in the fourth quarter. And like, they want to do that, but they don't know how to do it without like dribbling a lot or like making it an ISO game. But he's just like, it's playing such, he, he just knows his spots so well. The, the way he uses screens and semi-transition is beautiful. He can get to the foul line way better than Kyrie did. Kyrie and Al were so averse to free throw drawing. And now the offense coming together in that way really comes down to Kemba knowing his spots and like embracing that, okay, we have these two wings who one is stronger than literally everybody on the court. And the other one can shoot over anybody, anytime, anywhere, and has just like savant feel for the game. You can tell it like a lot of people say, oh, I'm about winning. But this dude really, 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 really like, not only is he about it, but he's like adapting his game to it. Because like, obviously he went through like, like being in the NBA is not hellacious, but like being on the Hornets did not look like a lot of fun for a person who had like put UConn on his back and is just like clutch performer, savant. Yeah, I think it's true when Kemba, everyone when Kemba got here, Danny, Brad, Kemba himself, Jim Calhoun, they all said like literally all he cares about right now is winning. Like he just Mm -hmm. wants to experience real playoff games, hopefully contend for a championship. And I think he showed that, like you said, in every, all of his actions on the court and his leadership. And that's why it's like such a shame that we probably won't see a postseason because I would be curious mm-hmm. to see how these Celtics would have done against like Giannis and the Bucks, and then against like, the Western real, Conference team. I'm real bullish on this group. Like, I think they can play with anybody. I thought they were going to be good going into the year. I thought they were probably like preseason. I thought they might have been behind, obviously Milwaukee, but then I thought Philadelphia too, which I think they're better than Philadelphia quite clearly, and really in that like tier with Toronto. And uh, I think I think the emergence of Tatum changes it to where it's like after the Bucks, you got to think it's them because nobody can stop him in the half court. Like, I'm sorry, who's the person who's going to stop Tatum in the half court? I mean, when he's running, uh, when he's running a pick and roll every time down, and it's like the the options that you have against a Tatum pick and roll are just brutal. Like, because he can get all the way to the rim, he can finish, he can draw the foul, he can pull up from three, he can pull up from mid range. Like, it, there's just literally nothing you can do. You're totally at his mercy, too, because at this point, Jalen kills the corners. Kemba can hit any above-the-break three you need him to. Tice is a very capable, probably not percentage-wise, but I mean, like, I trust him to take and make big shots that are open, as he did, like, in crucial moments. And, and, and Smart, too, just finding those gaps. Like, if your option is to let Smart probe the paint with Tice, is like if that's, like, the thing you're conceding to a team, 
that's a really tough team to deal with. It's been fun to watch Tice emerge. Like he I love just, Tice. I man, love him he's so good. much. Like, and I will say before the season, I don't think there was anybody in, at least in the Celtics media sphere that thought that he was going to be the starter. Like, I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, kind of assumed that it would be Ennis, but like, you know, maybe some nights they would, you know, give Rob a shot and maybe Tice mm-hmm. would be like, you know, your reasonably solid backup off the bench. And now it's like that guy could start for, you know, anybody. like probably, yeah, like 15, 20, 20 teams. Like, I mean, he's, he's really good. And I mean, the Celtics yeah. are so lucky that they have him for another really cost-controlled year because he's a good player. This is another one of my hot takes, but I thought he was outstanding his first season with the Celtics. And then he got that meniscus injury. And I look, right. you think if, if, if they had him, not only do I think that Buck series doesn't go more than five or six games, I think they get to the finals, period, because of the savvy rim protection, the, the screen setting, which he's just – he's so utilitarian and does, like, so many smart things and can pass the ball. And it's like he's just the most low-maintenance, perfect center for a team that does have high-usage wings and guards. And he and can I shoot guess. threes now. I mean, he's, it's wild to watch him in practice. Like, he's, I mean, he's shooting, like, real, like, 28-foot threes, and they just look beautiful. Like, they're just cash. I will say, I think he learned a lot the last two years. Mm. Like, I think that he picked up a lot and got to a point where he is now, where it was like he always had the physical tools. You know, he's, he was always a smart player. But now he's really kind of putting everything together, which for this unit is just crazy important. You can see the Baines influence, definitely. Mm, like, 100%. this is the person who is in the gym watching tape and doing the same drills that Baines was doing. And you see it in the screen setting specifically. They both have those crazy seals that wipe out, like, help defense entirely. I think, like... I mean, Tyses are so big that, like, they're going to change the rules for him. Like, they're, oh, like, yeah, I, they're going I, to. They're absolutely, when they get the rules committee going back, there's <laughs> going to be the Daniel Tice rule of seals. Yeah. At the very least, they're going to set some real, uh, some real parameters by which he can, mm-hmm. he can do that. Yeah, It's brutal, too. Like, when he seals off for Jalen especially and Jason, it's, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, Jalen's just going to body the guy at the rim. Tatum's yeah. going to probably get his layup, which he's gotten better at. As he, I, his layup problem was killing me at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it felt like between Tice and the All-Star birth, that just went away. Like, it totally, totally – it totally went away, and now he's just like that full spectrum, complete player. Yeah, that that all star thing was messing with him. Like he really mm. wanted to make that all star team, and then he did, and it was kind of a weight off his shoulders. And now he's ready to, you know, kind of emerge. So it was, it was probably low key really important that he got that. It was really important to I think both him and Jalen, and I think they both handled their respective lots of what they got out of it very very well. Like Jalen took it to an even a different level in terms of aggressiveness and like just keep playing ball because everybody on the team feels like he's on that level too. But Tatum was just like, there was a mental block there for a small, like, like it was subtle, but there was a mental block. He's like, am I that good? Am I on that level? But now he's like, I mean, obviously people would say the Doncic's of the world are probably the elite prospect, but I think like, is anybody his age that good defensively and that smart defensively while being able to shoot over anybody in the world? while being able to hit you with like four or five counter moves in the post if he gets in a jam. He's a really, really unique wing. I I think he was going to be really, really hard to stop because he does have the playoff chops already. He already had those playoff chops and was like built for that. Yeah. And now he has that extra level of confidence to where like he knows he's on that level. I mean, he's a guy who chest bumped LeBron. I mean, (laughs) as a rookie. 
<laughs> as a rookie, 19, 20 year old. He was only 19. Pick. Yeah. Sure. It's pretty incredible drafting by Danny, though, to hit on both the Uh-oh. Tatum and Brown pick. Like, that's. Mm, they were not popular picks. Right, like, exactly. Like, they traded down Bra- from number Brown. one, and then Brown got booed. Like, Brown, Brown was ridiculed up until this year. Tatum, everybody thought he was just like Rudy Gay. But I think I think he's nailed minor moves as well. I think Romeo has serious, serious defensive stopper potential, as well as, like, slashing game. I think Tremont Waters is an incredible second-round pick. He just looked great every time you watch him play and savvy. So I think he, he's really, in recent years, like, everybody talked about, oh, he's hoarding his assets. No, they're good players now, man. <laughs> Grant Williams is, like, just the perfect role player. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. Grant, too. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's he's such a pure soul that we almost can't, like, indoctrinate him into weird Celtics Twitter. Like, he's just such a lovable character in his own right that we just let Grant be Grant. Who, uh, is, is there anybody in this year's draft that you're, uh, that, that you got your eye on? I actually, I was so engrossed in this year's Celtics season that I just wasn't, like, I wasn't there. And, like, also, like, the pick situation with Memphis was so nebulous that I just, like... It's so weird. I, I was just like, I, I'm not going to get as invested this year. Some of the people I trust really like uh, Onyeka Kongwu. You literally just really named fit. Tom's favorite player in the draft. Yeah, if you think about, like, need need to, like, go up against those, like, big boys like Embiid and Giannis. Like, he's the guy that really piques my interest. I don't know if he's going to be there. You know what I mean? Like, he's that good. He won't um, be, yeah. Yeah, uh, but – just this season was so fun and like engaging in a way that was refreshing that I was just like all in on it. And like, it's, it's been so weird too, to not have it. It's, it's such a small thing in the grand gist of life, like with the genuine tragedy that's going on with this health crisis and the economic toll, it's, it's, it's reeking on like just working people in general, but it's just like, you don't realize what a big part of our life basketball is until it's just like not there. It's totally insane. (laughs) No, it for sure is, for sure is. But is there? A, I mean, what what would you think about? I mean, the NBA is obviously proposing like trying to finish the season with nobody in the stands. What would you think about watching that? If they wanted to get the and one announcer in there, the oh baby guy, oh. get him in there and let it go. Here's my here's my thing. If we're gonna do that with no fans, each team sends its most powerful Twitter user. That's who's in the stands for it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think if the other teams have powerful posters, and I'm I'm not sure they do. I think you'd have a I Philly does. Bring a real, it would, it would, Philly does. Philly, Philly has powerful posters. One of the funny and heartwarming things is like Philly and Boston should hate each other, and we do. But uh, Celtics Twitter and Sixers Twitter get on like more than any two functioning bodies <laughs> in, in the country. I don't understand why it is. I guess we have the same ethic and kind of attitude and sense of humor about things, but there has been like between word Celtics Twitter and uh, Sixers Twitter, a, a genuine bond that happened in the last year. It's Does, funny. We, we ribbed them about how Al is playing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Does Celtics Twitter feud with any other team's Twitters? Utah, yeah, Utah, Utah, big time. But everybody feuds with Utah. I mean, yeah, that's Utah, true. <laughs> Utah, Utah feuds with Utah, including <laughs> their own players, which is kind of interesting. But <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's everybody. But we also find like really great pockets of every team. Yeah. 
who interact with us and are really wonderful and embrace like what we do, which is a great, like wonderful thing. So it's, it's cool. It's, it's just been a cool community building type thing that I, I appreciate on a lot of levels. Cause that's like, that's just what we wanted to do is like to get all these people together with similar interests and ethics behind it. And it's, it's been real cool. This was the most fun season I've ever had, like ever. This year was great. I was just said, this was better than the, uh, the, uh, IT years. That was fun, but this one feels like a, uh, just like, it, it feels like all the different things tied together after a while. Like mm. the IT years were fun because they, it was like a DIY thing where like just off of sap <laughs> together and it isn't great, but all the guys are like fully into it. It was like a, it's like a great, everybody called it like the punk rock Celtics teams <laughs> and that really was what it was like it was like the stooges you know I mean, this is like this ragtag bunch of dudes and you never know if like marcus is gonna get thrown out or like jay is gonna poke somebody in the nose but 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 like the allure of that team was that there were also gonna be the picks coming and like the extra moves and that was kind of delayed like what should have been all of those things coming together was delayed by the Hayward injury. So now we have Hayward back and Kemba comes and finally those picks come to fruition as like these legitimate, legitimate star players. So it's like this year was like, we've gotten through all the bad things and now we're like enjoying it. And it's a real fun team that actually like vibes together and has great chemistry. So I think that's why it made this year fun is because we went through those kind of like, like it was good teams and the seasons were fun. Like, like what we've been through the past, like we've been spoiled in a lot of ways because like this would be like like last year, like even as much of a disaster as it had been, would have been better than like any Knicks season in the last 10 years. <laughs> 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 but, but this year, like having gone through all that and seeing them become like the players they are and the team it was like with, on the same wavelength, I think that's what made it rewarding. Thank you guys all for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have a second, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Give us a little review. Make sure that you follow the Riffs Man. At Riffs underscore man. Give him a follow if you, I mean, if you don't already. Really appreciate you coming on, man. This was a lot of Thank fun. Thank you for having me. We're, we're going to have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys, both of you, for having me. It was great. Awesome, man. Keep posting. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.